Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. And now, enjoy the show. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I am Dan, and with me today is Alyssa Fadden, who is a fantasy cartographer who works with some of our favorite game studios like Fraud God Games and Money Cook Games and Gygax Magazine and a whole lot more. So, Alyssa, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Wandering DMs today. Absolutely. I'm pumped to be here, really. I'm still rocking out to your intro music right there. That's awesome. We were very happy when we found that, actually. And of course, uh, you know, normally I have a co-host, Paul, with me, but he's off wandering today and we haven't been able to find him for a couple of days. So he'll be back next week, I'm sure. Um, but I, I but I don't mind that, actually, because I get to chat with you myself. So um, uh, which which is which is frankly a benefit for me. And we have uh, a Wandering DMs exclusive coming up in a couple minutes, which we are excited about. Um, so, you know, one thing, so you've been doing a lot of work in the world of Greyhawk lately, and I have been a longtime huge uh, Greyhawk fan. Um, and I think you do some uh, live uh, stream mapping for Greyhawk cities recently. Um, am I right about that? Yeah, so obviously I do maps by commission for a large extent. I do some personal projects as well. and. Uh, but I've been trying to sort of shift the balance a little bit and sort of do less commissions and more just pet projects because that's what I really enjoy doing, you know. Uh, no offense to anyone who wants me to draw a city for them, but the, the, after years and years and years of will you draw a city for my home blue world, it kind of like, I mean, it's cool, you get to be happy, um, but the map's gone for me then. It, it's like into the ether. So I've been trying to do more sort of sexier, different types of projects, pushing my skills a little bit. And I've been um, getting badgered by Anna Meyer for some years now to draw city maps for Greyhawk. And that's an intimidating um, project, if you think about it, because of all of the canon and the law. So if you're going to do anything in Greyhawk, get your read on. So I've always like, no, no, I don't have time. I can't read all of the books. I, I, I can't, like, with the Greyhawk community, they're going to just haul me over the coals if I get something wrong. It's very intimidating. So I've been refusing. And then at this last GaryCon earlier this year, I had Christoph from uh, Greyhawk Online and the Earth Journal oh, yeah. sit down with me in the bar and sort of say, okay, so can I get you to draw Greyhawk cities if they're the cities that we know very little about? Where there's very little canon, there's that we don't have to go through a million scenarios and so on and so forth, and you have more creative freedom. And I was like, I had a few drinks, so I said yes. And um, that was it. I was on the hook. I know I was on a panel not long afterwards, and they announced it. And then this is going to do Greyhawk City maps. And now, now, oh, now I'm doing. <laughs> so I, 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 I find it. I find it intriguing now. You know, let uh, you know, and I know we're going to see the Wampum map, but this this sort of is a good example. You know, Wampum. There is some information about it. We know the population size. We know a little bit about the history. Um, there was a couple. Uh, there was one um, map released. I think around two thousand and one. Um, 
for it in a magazine. There was another single fan art piece that was done. They were very different in styles and nothing else, like nothing else. So we have a hint of some information. It get enough to get the percolation going of like, you know, what I would draw for it, but not books and books and books that I now have to adhere to down to individual buildings. And so I tried to sort of pay homage to the two other maps that had been created to create my version of it. And so I felt like I had boundaries to work within that were comfortable boundaries, but then a lot of creative freedom. And that's what I love. So I'm going to do one of these every quarter. I've committed to it. And we're just going to see what wonderful things we can create. That's great. That's great. I, that seems like a wise choice to me, right? Of to pick something that's a little bit less known, because obviously there's a lot of passionate love for Gary Gygax's uh, Greyhawk world. And so, if I recall correctly, uh, this the Wamtham project that you've been uh, burning on. Um, so that's a city in uh, the uh, the Kingdom of Nyron, which is a very powerful kingdom. That's one of the one of the good, generally good kingdoms. That's I think considered the bulwark against the evil, the evil great kingdom usually. And uh, initially that was just, it was just a dot on the famous Darlene uh, Greyhawk map. And it very, I, you know, at, so I've read all of uh, Gary Gygax's Gord uh, in Greyhawk books. And I think there's just like a paragraph. I think, I think Gord travels through that town at one point. And there's just like one paragraph of like, oh, here's the architecture and there's a lot of dwarves and halflings and that's nice. Um, so it's probably wise to pick something that you can that you can um, uh, expand your creative juices on, like that. Uh, and I, 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 I was we'll see, we'll see this too in the map when you bring it up in uh, you know a moment. Um, I had just enough information, like you mentioned, dwarves, elves, a little bit of influence there. Anna Maya told me that it was had a logging industry. I think that was part of the paragraph, right? Mm -hmm. It was heavy on logging. It, we know that it's obviously on the river. Um, the fact that it is, um, it is almost like a bastion against the forces towards the northwest. Mm -hmm. That tells me, okay, so they're, they're going to have some fortifications here. So there was this enough information to kind of go, okay, so I need this, and I need this, and I need this. Um, but then the rest is like, and go nuts. And I, I love that, you know. So that that that's been that's exactly the type of thing I want to do with Greyhawk. Give me, give me a little bit. Uh, just enough to get the creative juices going and let's see what magic we can create. Awesome. Awesome. So, so I'm going br to bring this up because I'm excited to look at this. Who, uh, tell us who, where has this been, this map of Wamtham been published before? Okay. So, well, my version of the map or just in general? Your version. Where, who has seen this okay. before today? No one. So, um, <laughs> The process is the process of what's going to happen with these Greyhawk maps, okay? And just because I want everyone to really understand. Um, so Greyhawk Online, Christoph, um, the Earth Journal, the printed magazine, um, he, he asked me to do these maps and he's going to get an exclusive of them. So the first time that the Greyhawk world is going to see these maps is going to be in Greyhawk Online and in the Earth Journal itself in print. Um, and you're going to see it's a beautiful map. It's going to look incredible in print. But where does that leave me? I'm doing this for free. Well, I'm going to also release it to my patrons on Patreon. So as I draw the, the cities, I actually I release like what I'm doing, my thought process. I do these how-to guides, uh, even a step-by-step-by-step -by -step -by -step guide through to the final inked version. 
and I talk about my thought process along the way. So obviously my patrons get to see every single little bump uh, along the way, right? And my patrons will also get the fully colored map. They've already had the black and white one. So the, the audience for this are my patrons um, on Patreon, the Earth Journal and Greyhawk Online, okay? And that's, that, that's gonna release at the end of the month. So there's the release. This has not been released publicly prior to that. Not even on the fantasy mapping show where we just showed a couple of little sections of it. But we do have permission wow. to show it today. Awesome, awesome. Let me pull that up right now. And we will have uh, Alyssa's uh, link to her Patreon in the description on YouTube, uh, a little bit after the show, as a matter of fact, so you can look for that there. So here is the uh, black and white uh, version of the City of Wantham that you did. And so just for starters, if, if, if anyone is not familiar with Alyssa's work, the uh, primary thing that people uh, notice about it is it's, it's jaw-droppingly detailed. There's, there's just, there's a completely insane amount of detail in her maps. And um, you, we've, we're, we're trying to do as much justice to it in the show here as possible. So that is, that's a lot of stuff, Alyssa. Yeah, so, you know, the funny, the, the funny story about this is, if I, if I may sort of segue slightly off for just 30 seconds, about when I was about 11 years old, my school, the, the, my town ran an art competition um, for all of the schools. Uh, all of the students um, but it had to be something um, from my hometown of Chester something that represented Chester now Chester is 2,000 years old uh, it was founded by the Romans there's a staggering amount of history at Chester it has complete Roman walls and it also has this incredible Victorian clock um, over and gates over city uh, over the streets it's it's breathtakingly beautiful so all of the kids all of the kids drew what's called the Eastgate clock, this Victorian clock over a gateway with, with um, Tudor-style buildings on the side of it. Everyone did that. I didn't. I drew the Roman amphitheater, but I drew the Roman amphitheater as it was back in the day, and I drew thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the stands. And I did it in pencil first, and then I inked over every single one. And that was probably my first piece where people went, wow, what? Because it had that slightly unhinged level of detail to it. <laughs> um, and so when, like, skip forward, like, X amount of years, um, honestly, not even that many, because I started playing Dungeons & Dragons a few years later, I started to draw my own cities. And they started to take on this level of sort of quality, lots and lots and lots of buildings. And it wasn't necessarily the detail, it was the sheer volume of lines. Where, uh, and honestly, I think the, the general impression of shape, where people would go, wow, that's beautiful. Skip forward X amount of decades, and I shared these on Facebook then, and people were like, whoa. And that's kind of how I actually got into the industry, was just sharing maps I'd done from decades earlier. But the thing is, those were a lot simpler than what I do today. But it's like, it's that level of detail that people like it's that that gets people really wait what's this detail here what are these steps going down into this street what is that and i realize that my maps tell a story so the more details i can put into them the more it has my hallmark to it so i actually can't do simple anymore i actually really struggle just to do very simple shapes i have to do 
what you see on the screen today you know little tiny shacks little tiny crates outside the shack that's this is my brand so and the minute i realized that this is my brand things got even more nuts so yeah this is got what it. i do got it got it let me pull up the uh, let me pull up the color version here um and i think that when when you sent these images over to uh wandering dm's headquarters i think that that we were a little bit concerned about whether I could actually receive them because I think this map is a hundred megabytes in size, if I recall correctly. Um, so, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> so, so that's well, all. So well, again, this is, things. yeah. No, go ahead. Uh, so okay, again, this is you know in the in the world of Greyhawk, this is a, a really strategically important city. Uh, it's a, it's a ducal seat. I think this is where like the kingdom's uh, mint is nowadays in the in the canon. I think. Um, and uh, tell us a, tell us a little bit about some of the the features that you were interested in adding, maybe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, just so everyone knows, either watching the show right now or later on. This is the first time that the colored version of Wampum has been released, and hopefully you like it. I, I think it's one of my best city maps that I have ever done. And I think part of that is because of the um, hook into Greyhawk. And even, you know, Dan mentioned the Royal Mint. That's on here, right? There was enough to ensure that we had points of interest in here that has been documented in, in Greyhawk. But then other things that I felt were appropriate for what we know about it. Um, so for example, we know that it is on a major sort of set of roads. Uh, there's one that roughly goes north-south. There's one that goes east-west. The east-west one goes over the river. So I, I definitely wanted to ensure that we had a, a pretty, you know, sizable bridge going over the river here because it is a major road. And if we're going over the river, then we've probably got some kind of fortification and spillover of the city on the west side. But the, it's marked on the map on the east side. So predominantly, I wanted to put the weight of the city on the east. We also know that there's more hostility towards the northwest. What else we know is, uh, is it a logging town? So I wanted to really strip the trees off the map to a large extent and replace them with logging camps and tree stumps. And that's what I've got. I've got felled trees, tree stumps, barren sort of like, you know, stripped areas. But I, I have enough trees dotted here and there. So, you know, there is an absence of trees, if that makes sense. I needed kind of to frame those um, stripped sections of ground. So this is all the stuff that starts to influence the shape uh, of the city. We know that it is a heavy logging town and it's also heavy on industry. They have ore and ore industry here. So I wanted to ensure that I had that captured in the town and I did it towards the north. And because I've just got off doing the Gaslight London map uh, for Chaosium, I was influenced by the London docks a little bit. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have these big basin docks that are clearly man-made, maybe even dwarven made, right? And this is where they pull the logs in and they start processing them here. And this is maybe how they move like ores around and they process them. So that's what I've got going on in the north part. But we also know that there was a garrison here. Um, not only because it is a fortification, but I believe that it is documented that there's a garrison. So I've ensured that we've got at least one noticeable barracks here. And you can see that to the east of the main keep. And also being European, I tend to think like this, but we all know that a lot of the time these 
especially these fortified towns, did not just crop up complete with ring walls overnight. There is this growth, right? And I like to think in terms of growth. So I imagine Wampton was obviously a lot smaller in the past, and that's documented. And maybe it started with some river trade um, out on the west there with a keep overlooking it. At some point, that keep would have been built to overlook the, the trade and the, the, the coming through the area. So that, that's our first place. And then we've got that second ring wall that comes off the side of it. That is actually paying homage to the map from 2001 and the okay. fan piece. Um, because I want a little doff of the cap to those guys. So we're not completely uh, ignoring the past. But also I consider that then to be our old Wampthum. Maybe that was really where Wampthum started, right? Um, the, the circular piece in there, by the way, came from the fan art piece. Because I'm like, you know what? This is my doff of the cap to you. I'm going to mm -hmm. keep this little circular ring boat here. And I thought, well, that'd be a great place to put a marketplace to. Um, everything that then came comes after that, you'll see this like, sort of explosion of walls then going further out. But one thing that we learned uh, in the documentation in Greyhawk is that it had this huge population growth. And they, it, it was spilled over into the outside of the cities. So I've tried to capture that. You'll see on the west side, the east side, and the south, we've got these almost shanty town like mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. setup huddled, huddled up against the city walls where it's the, the population is too big now for the interior of the city. Um, we do actually have the Royal Mint on here too. Like if you, uh, I, I think we actually have an area that's zoomed in on this. It's south of the main keep. There is the Royal Mint, and I actually went to a Royal Mint. I, I forget the name of the town now, but it was somewhere like in Sweden or something. They have this incredible <laughs> old Royal Mint, and I looked at it from Google Maps from above, and I copied that shape. So that that's the really? Royal Mint. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! I have a number uh, of zoom ins here. I don't, unfortunately, I don't think I have that uh, that zoom in. Let me let me let me zoom in somewhere. So the thing that really jumped out at me was the southern gate so that the southern gate right by the river here it has what in this image appears to be oh four teeny tiny little circles right and if you if you zoom in fully on this map here's what it looks like there's a whole like like Alyssa was saying there is a whole detailed shanty town that's basically lost in a single pixel <laughs> When when I zoomed out for the show, so this is this is an entire like town of like a hundred a hundred uh, cottages here south of that uh, that gate there. That's amazing. Yeah, so that, this is what I love doing with my maps, right? You know, you mentioned earlier that it's like a hundred megabytes in size. So if let's say someone says they're going to print a map uh, eight and a half by eleven, you know, sort of standard sort of page size, I'm going to draw it double that size. And I typically work around 400 DPI, something like that, because I like my pieces to be able to then go into a poster size easily. Now, if I'm going to go poster size, I've got to draw detail. I just do. And so this is a prime example. I want, I want people with my maps to be able to see not only new things for years to come, but I want them to be able to do exactly what you've got on the screen here and actually be able to, as players and DMs, go, well, what's in this building? Or I know who lives here. I want to give you enough detail to be able to do that. Look, I mean, we even have some little jetties 
coming off the side here. I can imagine that these are just like little fishing jetties that like nothing to do with the major city. You'll also see that I've got a little cave inlet into the southwest there. Where does that go? Is that a sewer outlet? Does it is it shallow or does it go actually underground always? I kind of want to sow like the seeds of plot hooks in every single map that I do and do them in spades. There's also, by the way, in this section that you've got, there's an evil temple. Um, and you might not be able to see it, but there is actually what? within these dots, there is a little tiny evil temple and it's got like these um, burn, a little burned area around it. And it was that came from the fan piece from like some forum somewhere. And he had like this south section of spillover and he had this evil temple there. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep that evil temple. I'm going to put that on this map. And it's actually in the southeast corner of this little town. It's an odd little building and it's got like these little tiny crosses or something surrounding it. That's, wow. that's the evil temple right there crazy crazy i really like this attitude of like i'm putting stuff in that i myself might not you know know about so that other people can develop it because it's very much it's very similar to the hook that greyhawk provided you for wamtham in the first place the whole initially this was just, everything we're seeing here was just a tiny little circle marked wamtham at one point and so i kind of like this sort of paying it back uh, of wheel worlds within worlds within worlds that other people can dig in and, and detail it further that's fantastic what do you say i'm a Go ahead. Well, I'm a DM. You're a DM. And we're all players, right? Even in this one little screenshot, you can see as you come through the main gate, I have like a little in off to the right there, the minute yeah. that you come yeah. in. And I want you as players and DMs to be able to picture that. Picture coming through this small little sort of shanty town, this almost village-like thing, across the, the stone bridge, through the main gate of Wampthum, and start to visualize the city that you're in. And immediately we've got like this inn or tavern off to the right hand side. That's probably not, I'm not gonna number that. I'm not gonna name that. You can now as the DM or the players, right? And I wanna give you plenty of fodder. And this map has hundreds and hundreds of examples like that. Awesome. Awesome. And, and the other, uh, let me, there's a place uh, by, I think a shipyard or dock kind of on the north side that i liked looking at and uh I, I guess these are lumber yards maybe and i couldn't that so you've got these mills that are that are spitting out little bits of smoke which i love and i couldn't see those on the on the big map either that's a that's a lovely little touch right so th this whole area you'll see that we've got little cranes we've got logs floating in the water because i figure if they if this is a logging town that, uh, they have a heavy logging industry. They probably do what they did in the Pacific Northwest, right? They they throw these logs into the river and they ride them down into town mm -hmm. proper. And I could start to picture the type of people that work this. And they kind of like, you know, have them sort of tethered up at, at the edges here. They bring them into this London-like dock structure and they start pulling them out. And we've probably got, what, what are they doing with these logs? They're probably processing them, maybe getting them ready to ship elsewhere in the realm uh, but we know that there's an ore industry here too so there's probably boats that come in full of ore and the, the, the cranes pull the ore up and so i started to imagine i need this area to feel like industrial you know i want you to look at this and start seeing warehouses and workshops and yards I mean, you can see i've got all sorts of crates and things in the yards there between the smokestacks 
And that's a, that's a prime thing. I mean, I, I start to feel that this is a grungier area of town now. And it, I mean, I can start to picture my character being there. And that's exactly what I want to do. We can see we've got some steps going down into the water. We've got a ramp where they've been pulling things out of the water. This is the type of thing that I like to do. Even this little vignette here, I think you could write an entire adventure around. I love that detail. So as a, as a tiny little bit of background, so I'm originally from uh, the, the state of Maine uh, here in the U.S. And uh, two generations back, my family ran a, a lumber mill uh, in Maine and their whole lifelong career was going into places and mathematically scouting out how many trees were there and then cutting them down and trying to, you know, cut as much board feed out of as possible. So uh, it's funny having moved uh, to New York myself uh, I, I have a whole lot of vocabulary, like my family vocabulary, the idioms will be things like if you if you have a if you have a problem, we'll say like, oh, that's a real log jam. And uh, if something if some if something really scary happens, uh, we'll go, boy, that was a real bear. And I, I've, I've run into these funny situations in New York. Well, I'll say that to somebody. I go, boy, that's a real log jam. And they go, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> But but it's exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's that they would throw the, the logs in the river, wait for the spring thaw, and then gather them at the end. And I have this weird I have this weird cultural interface problem where people don't understand that. So personally, my heart is very is made very warm by seeing you bring that into uh, into the the mapping of Wamtam here. That's super. <laughs> well, I, if, if someone says Wamtam is heavy on logging, that's exactly the type of thing that starts to come to my mind, you know. Um, so not only do I have all of these logging camps outside of the city, but then I start to imagine them moving the logs and how they're processing them, how they get them across the river and so on. And that, that's what I love, because then my maps are more than just squares on a piece of paper, right? That now it starts to feel real. It starts to feel lived in, like people work here. And that it, it, that's what I like to try and bring to the table with my maps. That's great. That's great. Is it okay if I look at like one of the ones you did for uh, for Luke Gygax's uh, A Quorum World? Because I thought that was so. Um, I guess so. I guess I'm going to look at a wilderness map here before we run out of time for all this other stuff that you've done. Boy, what wonderful pieces! So um, I guess this is the area of the city of Chantufi, and I think this was for an adventure written by Luke Gygax. Am I right about that? Yeah, so uh, Luke actually did a Kickstarter a little bit earlier this year, and he asked me to draw, uh, I was a stretch goal, and I'm going to draw the regional map and the version of the city map of Kintufi itself. And now, the, the funny thing is, I've actually done a black and white version of this years and years and years ago for Luke. Yeah. Um, it was like a player handout for one of his games. But now this is this is getting real. This is a published piece. So he asked me to draw it again. So it's kind of like this journey we've been doing together. And he kind of just he gave me his original artwork, his sketches that he's got. And he's like, draw this. Uh, this is kind of the layout of it. And these are the dimensions. He gave me the east west dimensions. And he kind of told me the, the climates that he wanted to try and capture in this piece. It's very dry and arid, like, you know, the deserts of California, like, but with pockets that are, you know, where people live, where it's a little bit more sort of fertile. And Shensufi itself, it actually has some magical influence around it. So it's almost like Vegas, I suppose, in a way, you know, right. Vegas in the middle of the desert. 
Um, and then, of course, on the east side, we have these blighted lands. Uh, so I wanted to try and capture what, what would the blighted lands look like. And actually, the, the, those pockets there, that's bone marrow. Uh, that's where I got the inspiration for that. Um, just because uh, I felt like it looks like it's festering or something. And what, what comes out of these holes, I don't know. And I don't want to find out. And then he had some volcanoes to the north. So let's get some lava flows. This is my overland style. I have two overland styles. One is top down. And this is the other one. So it's more stylistic, almost Lord of the Rings like. And I think this sort of. Mm -hmm. And it captured the spirit of the Shintufi sort of region nicely. That's great. I, and I, it felt very uh, Lord of the Ringsy to me when I first saw it. And I'm glad you, you know, I'm glad to hear the a little bit of inspiration from California, um, where you know Luke uh, lives now. So if I recall correctly, some of the original world of Greyhawk geography was kind of based on the area around Lake Geneva. Where where Gary Gygax was originally working, and so somehow this feels really right to me that Luke's gonna suggest something kind of based on California, where he where he is nowadays. That's awesome. Let me pull up the let me pull up right, the city so you, itself. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, please do. By the way, these maps also have these like little details in them because uh, this is what I love to do. I again, I want you to sort of have one of these maps. And Luke has this scenario available, by the way. I encourage everyone to go off and get it. Go go over and check out Gax Works. Um, but so here, so Shinsufi City is like a million people, okay? Shinsufi is like ancient Rome at its height. And it, it, I hope one day Luke and I get to map it together. But that's going to be a major, major, major project, like the biggest map I've ever drawn. So we don't have that type of time frame to do it right now. So I proposed a more stylistic approach where we can get the shape, the general layout, the neighborhoods are all captured here, and the points of interest are all marked on this map. So we can, and so Luke gave me like descriptions of all of the buildings, the key buildings here, and like he gave me a sketch of the city sort of generally, and then the districts around it. So that's what I, I tried to do here was sort of capture this more. It's almost like a tourist map, isn't it? You know, when you go yeah, to yeah, London yeah. and you've got a tourist map and like Big Ben is marked here and like, you know, the yeah. Trafalgar is marked everywhere, and you just get this little icon marked on there. Uh, so that's kind of was the inspiration for this. I love that. I love that. It's funny, you know, I, it's funny being someone that moved to, to New York again. Um, I find that there these kinds of landmarks, you know, the, the people that live here locally don't go to them. Right. And with the, the only time that I've gone to local landmarks is when I have guests or like family coming in uh, to to, you know, take them there or impress them like, well, this is nice. I finally get an opportunity to see this <laughs> myself because I've been here for 10 years and I never did that. So I uh, that feels very that feels very close to me. We are every I think me, myself and other people in the chat are loving the effects like on the water. And I love the smoke effects that you put on maps once in a while. Maybe tell us, so what to, what tools do you, like, what's your workflow like for these things? What software tools are you using for them? Okay, so um, I actually work with a colorist and uh, called Alex uh, Fairbrother Naylor. Um, she's uh, a London gal. Hey, Alex. Uh, and she's been helping me with a lot of these maps uh, as it increases my workflow. I can concentrate on the black and white, and then she's been taking them off me and then doing the coloring. And so Great. these waves, in all fairness to her, that's her influence right there. And I think she did an absolutely cracking job. Um, but since 
time immemorial, um, I put clouds on some of my maps once and people loved them. So I've been taking like those clouds and making smoke, for example, and Alex has then been sort of taking that spirit and sort of bringing it forward into these modern maps right here. So workflow wise, process wise, I mean, I always honestly, I'd like to start off with some kind of sketch and either the client is going to give it to me or I'm going to create it. And if I create it, then I'm going to do almost like a swatch version. I'm going to do different concepts ask the client to sort of say what they like about each one, bring them together into one cohesive whole. And I did that here too. With all of these maps that we've seen today, I'll just have this very rough shape, um, particularly with something like this. This is Luke Gygax's baby right here. I want to make sure that I've got the shape correct because I kind of deviated obviously from his sketch um, mm -hmm. a little bit. So I'll sketch it out and then get that uh, sort of approval in uh, uh, feedback. I'll then ink it up. Now I'm using Photoshop for this. And okay. uh, so does my colorist, Alex, but I use a Cintiq 24 inch HD touch. It is basically a, a monitor tablet. I mean, I can play games on it, but it will lie flat. I can actually just, I can literally just put it flat on my desk um, and then draw on it. I actually have um, just a regular stylus yep. and that, to me is then the transition from ink on paper that I used to do to now drawing directly on the screen. The, the tablets that are detached that are to one side, I can't do that. I can't visually look okay. here and draw over here. I really struggle with that. So my technique, my approach, and therefore my tools are all honestly traditional artwork style. You could, you could do this or my approach using GIMP or any digital drawing software, even the, the stuff that is free on like an Apple tablet. If you now start to draw, that's my technique. That's what I do. And I chose Photoshop just because I also use InDesign. I use Illustrator. I use all of these other tools. So I do, it's a monthly subscription um, that I pay for and I get everything. So I haven't used Photoshop, but you could use any drawing software and replicate my style. Great. Great. How long, how long does it take you to do a piece like this from start to finish? It highly there varies. So something like Wampthem, for example, was probably about 60 hours, something like okay. that. Um, this here was, I want to say, I want to say maybe about 40. I want to say about 40. It, it, it's a, a little simpler in its approach. The regional map was only about 40. Uh, so it's all really about how much detail I have to put into a piece. Um, 40 to 60 hours is typical. 60 to 100 on slightly more complex pieces. The things for Frog God Games that I've done recently yep. have measured more like 100 to 200 hours. And the massive map of uh, Teagle Manor that I did for them some years ago, that was more like 200 to 300 hours. But around 100. So 50 to 100 is typical for me. So to be clear, so so I noticed this on, on your uh, your website that we have a link to in the YouTube description. So that this, uh, does everybody call it Teagle Manor? You know, I don't know if you have this experience, Alyssa, but I have, you know, years and years of, of gaming books here that I read, you know, in my private head for 30 years. And then I go to say, to talk about it for the first time. And I realize 
40 years later, I have no, no idea how to pronounce this word properly, right? And then, and then me and whoever I'm talking to have this like, oh, you talk, say it like that, I say it like this. So um, that is good uh, uh, news for me that people call it Teagle Manor because um, I because I've literally never talked about it to anybody. But your website says that uh, Teagle Manor project that you're saying took two to three hundred hours is a is a twelve foot by fourteen foot map. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh so for God Games, like honestly, every single company out there, Chaosium is the same too. Um, but they, they always have like an in-house or their main go-to cartographer, right? And 99% of the time, they need something that looks good, um, but they also need it quicker than what I can do. I, I come into the table or to the table when someone needs a touch of Demented in the mix. Um, because that's the only thing that I know how to do. And so for Teagle Manor, Bill Webb approached me because he wanted my level of detail in each and every room. And he wanted it battle map scale. And just the way that that translates out is like 12 foot by 14 foot. It's absolutely just that one inch is five feet. You take the main map of Teagle Manor, you calculate that out, and it's 12 feet. Uh, so that wow. that was a monster to do and the, that was a fun one because i twitch streamed the whole thing and uh periodically not in one shot and right, right, right. i would read i would read a room description with no spoilers but i would read the description and say so that's what we're drawing and then i would draw that room and if it mentioned floating plates in the air as if a ghost is dragging them around i drew it if it mentioned that it was a room where the cooking and baking had gone on then i was adding bread and flour it, we just went and every single room got that personal detail it's, a, it's an incredible project wow that's amazing and of course the original right the original uh, judges guild uh, teagle manor um is enormous i mean when i i first got it it was like i'm unfolding the map and i'm unfolding the map and the descriptions at the time were incredibly sketchy, right? They were like one line, like here's a ghost and it throws rats at you. Like that was the description. And still the adventure went on pages and pages and pages and pages with these one line things. So it's, it already started off as a huge mansion. And the fact that you were doing full battle map details, just like completely jaw dropping, that is completely amazing. Thanks well, to I'm Bill for asking for that. Right, and, and Bill, Bill went through the whole thing and like added to every single room. He made sure that every location had a bigger description, deeper description. And so, you know, you go into the attic, it was a description of the attic and it includes children's toys and things. I drew the children's toys on the map. Um, and their recent Necropolis was similar to that. It's a smaller map, but I still think it's about six feet uh, in dimensions. It's, it's a massive, and I did the same thing. So all of the other maps in Necropolis, uh, I think Robert Altbauer did, I'm not quite sure, but he's their main cartographer. But then for their showpiece at the end, where they want to be able to print it battle map scale, I did the main dungeon and it was very Egyptian sort of inspired. And that one also is absolutely huge and has all of the little details in there. Awesome, awesome. Let me, okay, so here's another project that I, I loved when you sent it over. And so this is the, the cosmology of gaming map. Uh, initially, I think the, this is the initial one that was printed in Gygax magazine, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. But I love this. 
So it's it's a cosmology of the the connections of the history of of games and game worlds and game companies. And so it has TSR with Dungeons and Dragons in the middle, and there's enormous amount of detail. And right next to it, it has TSR games like AD and D and Boot Hill and Top Secret. And then there's the Chaosium uh, games here, White Wolf games. There's uh, I think OSR games here. Um, what if what I love this to death. Where where did this idea come from? Okay, so this is Gygax Magazine number one, which I think was 2011, 2012, something like that. And they asked me to be a part of it and said, will you draw a map for an article that I think James Carpio wrote? Um, and if I got that wrong, profuse apologies, but James, I think it was you. And I was like, sure, yeah, no problem. Um, give me the article. And... The article was titled The Cosmology of Role-Playing Games, and it was written as a big bang theory from TSR and Dungeons and Dragons being in the heart of this explosion of role-playing games. And it spoke in terms of um, nebula and like almost phases, so to speak, uh, but they were calling it Alpha Prime and Beta Prime and so on. And like, this explosion, these ripples through time and the article was talking about the companies that came out of it the games that they created and when they did it and i gotta be honest with you dan i looked at this article um a great fascinating but also how do i draw a map for that and then uh, it, it, it sort of twigged do a star map with these times these years on it and do the little stars and the planets and the moons and they are, are the gaming systems. They are the, the nebula are sister, the companies that, you know, um, released them all. And this ended up being the result. And to this day, even though there's only, what, about 50, maybe even less games on here. Mm -hmm. To this day, um, and they released this as a poster. Like this, this was at least a two-page spread. It might have been a four-page fold-out uh, in the magazine. To this day, people love this map. And like the chat said, people want to just zoom in and they want to start reading some of these older systems and when they came out and who did them and how it falls in the grand scheme of the big bang of gaming. Totally, totally. I have, um, uh, so obviously I have the full size version. So I did that, right? So I spent some time, this is the first time that I actually saw this, I uh, it was just this weekend. And yes, I zoomed in on it. I spent some time going around the various things. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad that was included. That's fantastic. I can't do that on the show, unfortunately. So uh, so yeah, so many of us uh, have the instinct that we want to zoom into it. But what we're going to do now is the opposite. <laughs> because you've done an expanded version of this that nobody's seen that I'm going to put up for the first time. Uh, here it comes. Um, so oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, sorry, folks. You're gonna have to wait for so another version. Another version that you can zoom in because this is the this is as much as I could get on screen right now. What is this being done for, Alyssa? All right. So this is a personal project. I am doing the cosmology of role playing games 2023 version, and I am going to take posters of this to Gary Khan next year. I'm I'm giving myself that goal. Uh, Luke doesn't know that, but I actually want to have a massive version of this, hopefully signed by all of the special guests, if I can get that arranged, 
uh, that I'm going to then pull up for the charity auction. That's going to be my charity piece that I bring to the table next year. This is the same concept, and it is a work in progress, obviously. This is the same concept of the cosmology of role-playing games, but it is going to have 1,061 games on it. <laughs> so okay. if you like, this is my, uh, my mapping insanity to the cosmology of role-playing. That's fantastic. That's that's that. Well, that's what I'm doing here. So uh, this is obviously going to be um, well. A, I've got to I've got to still get about I think a couple of hundred more titles on here. Uh, I'm mostly through a lot of the titles. I've been going through a massive list that um, uh, Pex helped me put together. Shout out to Pex. Thanks, man, for helping me with that. And that's pulled from multiple different resources. And the list is basically role playing game year and who released it. And sometimes there are multiple versions and of the same title. If there was a major shift in publisher or a major shift in the actual sort of version, then I'd capture that as well. Um, but for things like Call of Cthulhu, it's always been on the KRC, and I just captured the very first instance of it. And I've tried to then, as I, I'm adding them all, I'm trying to group them by publisher, because then what I'm going to have to do is figure out what the final font is going to be, the final font size, uh, perfect anything of the grouping, and then I've got to start drawing in my nebula, my suns, my moons, my stars, and so on and so forth. And I, it, I know what's going to happen. There's going to be people going, yeah, but what about this time? What about that? I'm hoping I can be 95%. Every single role-playing game that has been released is on this map. I, I have several foreign titles on here, too, of course. So this, this should look like a holy cow version of what we just saw and this is going to have to be a poster the font size is so small i mean this thing's got to be at least a four page spread out maybe larger i don't know yet but we'll we'll work out something that looks awesome wow wow one thing i picked up on there is that you said that luke gygax doesn't know about this yet so so everybody watching the show nobody tell luke nobody tell luke gygax that this is coming keep it a surprise <laughs> please so I, let me let me pull up let me pull up the the last version that that uh, people can see the the finished artwork on. Um, I, I I adore that I adore that project so much. You know, before we're out of time, let me ask you a couple other things about your process. So as um, so, I thought to me there was actually a really interesting thing that happened when you and I uh, actually scheduled this show. Is that you had you know you felt that you had a very uh, uh, limited uh, time window in your day when um, you'd be available for something like this. Unfortunately, it just happened to be the, the time that we have the show, as a matter of fact. So I find, so I'm wondering how, like, how you structure your day, actually. Like, I find there's, there's a really famous essay uh, from a couple of years ago called Maker Time Versus Manager Time. And I'm not an artist, but I'm a coder. And I find that, you know, for me to, do, to be productive with anything, I basically need, like, at least a four-hour block of uninterrupted time in order to get anything accomplished really. And as a result, sometimes I am up super late just because I know that nobody's gonna be around or trying to contact me for anything like that. Do you, is, is that how you structure your day that you have these like hard blocks that you know you're gonna have to be productive in and have nobody, nobody interrupt you? Yes, um, yes I do. So I do have a full-time job as well. So there's, okay a nice okay. chunk of the day but i found that i tend to um 
I tend to be more productive if I understand what I'm doing and when. Uh, particularly when you consider that, let's say, on a Friday evening at 5 o'clock, I'm going to be on a fantasy mapping show, or I'm doing a Patreon hangout, um, or I'm doing... So I, I over the years, I've started to find that my um, parts of my life are scheduled, which means that all the parts of my life have to be scheduled around them, including drawing maps themselves. So I tend to sort of say, let's say from 5 to 8 o'clock at night, a two to three hour chunk of time, I am going to dedicate to X project. So, for example, I'm going to be drawing um, Krakenheim, now my next Greyhawk map. I already know that I'm going to break ground on that tomorrow, 5 o'clock, through to about 8 o'clock at night. And I'm going to create a video during that time, too. I am likely going to repeat that on Tuesday. Or Tuesday, I will do the cosmology map, and I'll work on it for two to three hours. On the weekend, I know that around 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, through to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, this six to eight hour block of time, I am going to dedicate to X project. So I know the projects I'm working on in that time, and I know the time slots and I'm going to do it. And then let's say eight o'clock at night, I brain off and I'll just start playing a computer game or something like that. Um, so yeah, it, it's like I know these chunks of time. And then sprinkled around here, I have like wonderful podcasts like this. Um, <laughs> or I have my own, like, you know, streaming show that I'll do on a Friday afternoon. So those are my Fridays. So it's my life is kind of very, like, each day has a calendar kind of associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I find, you know, for me, I find sometimes it is um, kind of like with this, with this uh, maker versus uh, manager time article, sometimes it's hard for me to interface with people that don't understand that, that, uh, that, you know, creative people need these big blocks of time and they assume that they can just schedule an hour long meeting um, anytime during the day. I don't know if you ever have difficulty interfacing because I find that, that those of us who are creative makers, <laughs> we're going to be incredibly aware of that. And then we kind of have to be sympathetic to the people that do a different thing every single hour. I don't know if you have difficulty interfacing with other people as a result of that. Or maybe it's just me. I do. I don't tend to express that difficulty, but yeah, I tend to find that most people don't relate or understand, you know, the fact that my and my existence is heavily scheduled. It is organized. Every day is organized into time blocks. So, you know, calling me up, let's say at 6.30 at night, I'm in one of those time blocks. My concentration is elsewhere right now. In fact, if you call me after eight o'clock at night, um, that's also a different time block, right? It's it's moved now into Alyssa Faden entertains herself time block. Um, I've had people like, you know, just turn up to the door and want to hang out. And I'm like, yeah, but this is what I'm doing in this time block. So yeah, it, it can be it can be difficult um, to uh, like it, interface with people on a more casual basis, I would say. It's like, it, it's almost comes across that I can't be spontaneous. And in some ways, I can't. It's like I have to schedule if I'm going to be spontaneous. Yep, yep. That's good. That I, I really, I, I couldn't sympathize more with that, and it really helps me to hear someone else express that to make me feel that I'm not completely lunatic. Because I, I told, I totally feel that that same thing a lot. Well put. Well, I, I, you know, I've actually been trying to get into a little bit of Unity programming recently. Um, I used to be a programmer, by the way, so I know the feels. Um, but that's also like so. There's a hobby time, 
And I'm going to need at least four hours with this, unless I know what section of the code I'm working on. And I, this is my time slot that I am going to do this. And if I don't get it done in this time slot, then I don't get to do it. You know, and it will, yep. there'll, uh, there'll be something yep. else now. It'll be, it will get bumped back a week or whatever it is. So I, I, it's not a bad thing. I think you have to do it that way in order to be productive. Otherwise, it's like you, nothing gets done in, in, in my head. Totally, totally. So if you're getting into, so we were just talking a week or two back that uh, the, you know, the 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 uh, the Watsi uh, announcement that they're calling one D and D, and boy, I sure hope they change that name. Um, is going to have, you know, they're going to lean into a virtual tabletop that's based on Unity, actually. So I don't know if there's any like hope that people are going to be able to interface with that using Unity in the future. I don't know if that is why you were brought back to that, possibly, or. Um, for other reasons? No, so I, I, I'm actually getting into it um, more um, more from the perspective that it scratches a different itch in my brain. Um, I actually like learning C-sharp just as a programming language, uh, even though I'm an utter noob at it. And I have um, a personal project that I want to do that might then in the future morph into Anna Meyer's work. I'm actually doing world creation, a procedural world creation. Uh, Unity just happens to be the platform I'm using for it. But I'm doing it all through just core coding at, at my end. So the creation of height maps, uh, then turning those height maps into a color map so I can picture what uh, it, yep. this is looking like. Then turning that into an actual Unity terrain tile um, and applying a mesh to it that has elevations, etc. Um, I'm going to add influence from tectonic plates to it, um, water erosion to it, that type of thing. So I'm, I want to create. You might need to stop because you're wetting my appetite. <laughs> so, so as you're trying, these are all things that I that I think about about world building, actually. And it's actually really dangerous for me to hear this because I'm like, oh, oh, that would be great. That would be awesome to work on that. And I... <laughs> <laughs> that's careful because uh, I might start leaning on you to help me out with some of the code. But yeah, mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is this is kind of so. I mean, I'm a mapper, right? I'm a cartographer. You've seen my work. I create little worlds. So suddenly, I now want to create like a a Unity or a programmed version of this. And ultimately, even if I just get to put a little guy on this world and be able to look around this procedurally generated world that my code has created then great, there's project number one done. But I'm trying to break it into individual smaller projects, milestones where I can feel a sense of accomplishment and success. Um, ultimately, what I would love to be able to do is take an Anna Maya Greyhawk Overland map, plug it into the system, and my code reads it and creates Greyhawk regions in a version that you can then walk around. Great. That's kind of what great. I want to be able to do. Great, great. You know, okay, so on this point, so I know that you're a big uh, Cthulhu fan, and we are big Cthulhu horror fans here ourselves. And I always wind up saying, you know, D and D. the 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 biggest influence, the biggest pulp influence on D and D was frankly Lovecraft. I've made that argument a whole lot. And if you if you play original D and D like it's written, it's going to turn into a horror game, no matter which way you try to try to swing it. So let me let me uh, let me inject a little bit of existential terror into this episode before we wrap up. 
And that is there, you know, there's a story in the news uh, this month of, uh, you know, people using these AI imaging tools to create, uh, you know, images and artwork based on text descriptions. And there's this news story of a gentleman out in Colorado who won the, uh, the state fair art competition. And I can't remember if he's using Dolly or um, Imogen, I guess maybe Midjourney. So there's kind of the three top ones. So would you consider, so as someone that puts in a maniacal level of detail into your maps by hand, would you consider using an AI tool at some point for that kind of thing? Or do you worry about how that's gonna change what art production looks like? Uh, so in the broader in the broader speaking uh and this could almost be a show in and of itself right um i have dabbled with mid-journey just a little bit and i will acknowledge that there is a level of skill to understanding the prompts and keywords to get the best results out of an ai um created piece that said at least at the point where we're at right now ai does an absolutely terrible job of creating maps um it, it doesn't it, it doesn't have that level of understanding shall we say to let's say even broadly create any of uh, the luke gygax maps that we were just looking at or this tsr piece that we're looking at right now on the screen ai can't do that i even tried to give it some prompts to create a gaslight london map and what okay. i got back it didn't even look like london i've got to be honest with you it it, it, it can't do I don't want to say the abstract, but there's something about maps that AI right now can't do. Now, if you want to do a Cthulhu prop, which is then going to be some kind of abstract alien language dissection imagery and some kind of weird map as part of it, it will create a mind-blowing prop, but it doesn't mean anything. The language isn't real. The images aren't real, so to speak. It's just something printed out stain it with coffee burn it a little bit on the edges i've created a scroll but it's like it's very abstract in a way there are certain things that it does well cute anime characters or um animals um i, I anna Maya managed to get a beautiful scene of almost a fantasy elven library out of uh, mid journey that was mind-blowing it was absolutely beautiful but she can't get it to do a good map so there's definitely some limitations right now, uh, at least from a cartography aspect. My my job is safe uh, and my artwork is safe. Uh, from a more generic level, there are some great pieces that I've seen come out of it, like character artwork, faces, that type of thing. Um, and so from that perspective, I think, I think AI artwork can definitely be, I'm going to term it a threat to the more traditional artist. Makes sense. Makes it well put. Well put. I think that's a, I think that's a good analysis from someone that's all that's actually experienced with with testing out mid journey. That's great. So we're about out of time in our hour. Is there anything else uh, that you wanted our viewers to know about what you're working on, Alyssa, or where they can find uh, your work at the moment that we didn't get to already? So I, I'm Alyssa Faden everywhere. Um, there's AlyssaFaden.com, but you know whether it be Patreon or Twitch or Ed, just forward slash Alyssa Faden, it's going to be me. Um, I would love it if you, you know, uh, follow my work and follow what I'm doing. You're going to find that I tend to post a lot about history and old photographs and old places and fascinating 
geography places here in the real world. Uh, that tends to be my shtick with the occasional meme thrown in. I am going to be heavy on the cosmology map here uh, over the next few months and also on Greyhawk city maps. And you've seen an example of how they turn out. And I would consider maybe just sort of head over to my Patreon if you would like to get copies of these Greyhawk maps uh, for yourself and exclusively, like, you know, uh, no one else in the world is actually getting copies in digital format, then, you know, maybe consider sort of hitting me with a follow on Patreon. But that's where you can find me, forward slash list fading everywhere. That's great. That's great. And we have uh, links to Alyssa's work in the uh, YouTube description that you can look at uh, if you if you uh, if Googling is uh, is uh, too complicated for you. And I, I you know, I was on your uh, Twitter stream the other day. And just like you're saying, you've got historical stuff, you've got information about architecture, all of that is personally right up my alley. So there was there was a particular hour, I think, yesterday. I was like, "Oh, like that, like that, like that. Oh, that's beautiful, like that." So it's it's uh, it's it's wonderful content, frankly. Um, on that point, uh, if you're new to the show, uh, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us, uh, the Wandering DMs, and we're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, because we're coders, TikTok, um, and we do have Wandering DMs for the handle on all those sites. We also have podcast audio versions of all of our shows, and you can go to our website at wanderingdms.com for that or any podcast provider, basically. Uh, likewise, Patreon is such a great resource uh, to Alyssa and also to us. Uh, big thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering Dams. If you would like to uh, join them, please go to patreon.com slash wandering dams, and you'll see our stuff. In particular, we have after show chat every Sunday. So in about 10 minutes, I'll get on our Discord server and continue the conversation about art and mapping, cartography, and Alyssa's work uh, with our with our live video chat in about 10 minutes. So um, look for other shows. I got to, I have my gaming show late night once I get done with my work block Monday night. So 11 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be on tomorrow night playing more Pool of Radiance um, from the AD&D 1988 game. So there's that. Hopefully some other shows coming up on the channel. Alyssa, uh, thank you so much for uh, spending an hour with us and uh, sharing the exclusive look at, um, at WAMFAM and stuff that nobody else has seen before. And I hope people will go to your Patreon on your website to follow more. Love it. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful talking to you. Awesome. Uh, don't forget that uh, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so we hope that you'll join us again for another thought-provoking discussion. And somewhere, as Dan runs the show by himself, there is a credit scroll <laughs> somewhere down here that I seem to not be finding. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I was doing so good. And then right at the end, I bobbled it a little bit. So uh, there we go. So uh, yeah, join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. And we'll see you then.